0: I don't know about you guys, but I, I really like a good victory story. One that it just really, it really seems like the, the underdog is going to lose, and, and all of a sudden out of nowhere there comes the great victory. Maybe that's why Sylvester Stallone was able to make five Rocky movies. They all told the exact same story, just nuanced slightly differently. Uh, nine rounds of him on the verge of death, and then all of a sudden in the 12th round, amazingly, he has enough strength to to really slug and, and beat his opponent who doesn't even have a scratch, hardly has broken a sweat or anything. But out of nowhere, it comes up, this underdog comes in and, and, and he wins. Um, may, maybe Maybe some of you won't be too mad at me for using the other um, example from the Super Bowl a couple of years ago of, uh, of a team that was winning 28 to 3, but then in the fourth quarter, everything kind of went awry and the other team one. It's a good victory story if you're on that side of it. Or, or maybe I can win you back over with the 1996, or no, excuse me, 1995 uh, World Series, the one the Braves won. So, so maybe that one's a good one that everybody can kind of come together and say, yeah, we remember those days. And we remember Sid Bream and his slide in the worst of first year. And we remember Ron Gant before he broke his leg and then started showing up on the news around here. We remember those teams. We remember when, when David Justice was still a Brave and when Chipper Jones was starting to shave and we remember all these young things of of great victory that people just like wow that's great victory and here's the cool thing about victory stories the one who wins always stands proudly in victory you ever watch the Boston Marathon I have a lot of respect for these marathon runners not enough respect to be one of them but enough respect respect to, to to watch them and know the grueling hours that it takes but it never it, it, it never ceases to amaze me You've got somebody that has just ran 26.2 miles, sometimes in about the two-hour range. You know, if I want to get somebody somewhere in two hours, I'm not going to do it by running there. I'm going to drive it and, and go a lot further than those on their feet. But, but they run, and it never fails. They're stumbling to the end, to the finish line, and, and, and they, they're, they're soaked, and, they're, and their legs are just kind of wobbling. They're barely able to stand until it's a time to announce the the victory and they stand even in their weakness they stand because they have victory they have something sure they have something that they have for themselves that no one can take away from them ever they won. And even in sports that are always riddled with with scandal and and cheating, it does not ever actually take away from who put in and won on the field that day. It took place. The memory is there. The victory is there is there. Church, let me ask you today, if you are standing in the surest victory the world has ever known, the victory of the cross of Jesus Christ, let me ask you where you're sitting right now, are you in the throes of the battle or are you already standing on the assurance of the victory that God himself has given you in Christ Jesus? Can I just say that if you're struggling with how to answer that, that's okay. It's okay. It's it's okay to know you're struggling with the the, the assurance because I want to help make you sure. Too often I find people walking, limping in faith, unsure but unwilling to talk to someone about why they are unsure. And so what ends up happening is they step back because the limp gets more noticeable. So there's not trying to keep up, and and the victory seems too far, too 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 distant, too unsurmountable. And so we we kind of step back, and and unfortunately, the church leaves them behind. But that's not what the gospel teaches. That's not what we have. And this morning, I want to encourage you, if you are struggling there, to to walk with me in this last passage from the book of Ephesians, to walk with me down the road of victory that leads to the humble cross where Jesus Christ died to give us that victory. It's in Ephesians chapter six where we'll be this morning. Ephesians chapter six, as we end our time in the book of Ephesians, but we still have one more sermon in the Ephesians series, and I'll explain that to you how it works a little bit later. But Ephesians chapter six, starting in verse 18, if you are able, I'd like for you to stand with me. If you're unable, that's okay, but we're gonna be in Ephesians chapter chapter six, regardless if you're standing or sitting, reading the second half of verse 18 on through the end of the chapter, and it says this. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that words may be given to me in the opening of my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in change, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. So that you also may know how I am and what I am doing. Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I've sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. Don't don't miss that phrase. Verse 23 Peace be to the brothers. And love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. Let's pray together. Father, the mystery of the gospel. The mystery of how we can be made right with you through no actual action of our own. This granted righteousness, this granted forgiveness on the basis of your mercy, your grace, your love in sending your son, Jesus Christ. God, I ask that you help us to grasp and embrace that victory. For today, for our family, For our church for our community for the glory of the king of kings the lord of lords that you would be on display in us we ask all this in the name of jesus amen thank you. you may be seated we get to this passage of scripture and I want to make sure that we, we, we pull it back into the context of everything that's happening in the book of Ephesians. Remember, I've shared with you, if you were with us, if you haven't been with us, that's okay. Um, I'm going to give you the kind of the catch-up so you'll kind of know where we've been. Uh, Ephesians, uh, we have looked at in the context of being a sermon that the Apostle Paul has written based on a passage of Scripture out of the book of Psalms. It says over in uh, chapter 4, Verse 8, it says, Therefore it says, When he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. This passage comes out of, it's a victory hymn, it's an ascension hymn uh, out of the book of Psalms in Psalm chapter 68. It's one of one, a king who has won the battle, has won the victory and has given and has bestowed upon those who are under his care, all the glory of the kingdom and all the gifts that the king could have to offer. And, and, and we, we come to this because it starts off in chapter one, verse three, that God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. How did he do that? He chose before the foundation of the world to adopt us as sons. Well, how did he do that? He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to be the atoning death, the one that would shed his blood. And by his blood, we were made free, we were made clean, and we were brought into the family. Well, how do we know this? It says in chapter 1, verse 13, that he gave us the Holy Spirit as the down payment and the seal of our salvation. If he sealed it, we can't open it. If he sealed it, it's secure. And so we go through with this whole idea of being brought from death to life, from light to darkness, from not being a people to being a people together, from being racially and ethnically divided from others to under the gospel of Jesus Christ, unified as one. Why? Because he gave us victory. See, this book of Ephesians talks about our marriages and talks about our parenting and it talks about our assembly together all in the context of the victory that you and I share in Christ Jesus. We share in it. You you can go to a shareholders meeting for Walmart and you can go and buy one one share in the stock of Walmart for, I think it's about 34 bucks right now. Um, I don't really keep up with it much, so don't quote me on that. And I could go with that one share to a shareholders meeting at Walmart, and I'm gonna get laughed at for proposing a major change to the corporation of Walmart. They're gonna be like, you own $34 worth of this multi-billion dollar corporation, and you think your $34 investment is going to give you equal standing with the rest of us? I think not. Somebody that owns 51% of the shares or whatever the majority shareholders is going to say, sit down, son, why don't you scoot on back down to Atlanta, Georgia, and uh, we'll handle it from here. But it's not so when you have a share in the kingdom of God because you are of his family. You have an equal footing, an equal standing in the victory that Christ Jesus has already won. Regardless of your failures, regardless of your background, regardless of how much money is in your bank or how much money your bank thinks you might have because it's on a credit card and they let you borrow it for a little while, it does not matter because you have an equal standing before the Lord your God in Christ Jesus. You could have been a deacon for 60 years. You could have been the greatest pastor the world's ever known. You could have just been someone who came and humbly lifted their hands to sing praises to God with the congregation of the saints, and you are equal. You could have just made a profession of faith this morning because the gospel gripped you, and you have equal standing in the victory. But our task right now is not to establish the victory. It's already been established, not because of us, but for us through him who is the son of God in Christ Jesus. And we have in this passage of scripture in the book of Ephesians, as we wrap all this up, as we pull together, we came out of last Sunday talking about the armor of God because there is a true battle and the battle is going to have a victor. The issue is not whether or not we're gonna win or not. It's gonna be how we stand in the victory that's already ours as we take up what God has given us. And he shows us here, starting in verse 18, that you and I have one task and that is to stand strong in the heat of battle. Stand strong in the heat of battle. Notice he says there, starting in verse 18, pray at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me that words may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to boldly proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. If anyone had a reason to give up when times got tough in the faith, it was Paul. He is writing this and literally says there in verse 20, I am in chains for preaching the gospel. Wow. In chains. Strapped with criminals. See, Paul's jail wasn't like the the jails that we have here. Now, I'm not going to try to make it sound like, you know, everybody just needs to go to jail because jail is the most awesome place. But Paul didn't get... Three meals a day he didn't get exercise time he didn't have a tv he didn't have a bed more than likely he was strapped like this the chain going through the handcuffs and the ankle cuffs sitting on a bench with nothing but a wall behind him and somebody on each side kind of stinks doesn't it literally it probably stunk got to use the bathroom oh well feeling a little sick oh well guys beside you sneezing his head off deal with it if anybody had a reason to give up it's Paul sitting right there in this jail cell with his hands and feet bound together with who knows who around him what they've done what their story was what was going on and he's saying I'm going to stand strong in the heat of battle Because these chains are not because of me. These chains are because of the glory of Christ in me. I'm going to stand strong. What Satan would use to try to diffuse my my light, diffuse me from being a gospel bomb, for what Satan would try to use to dissuade me from proclaiming boldly, I'm going to do all the more. I know you're thinking, well, if his hands and feet are bound, how is he writing this? (laughs) He has somebody writing it for him. He's telling them what to say. That's Luke. He wrote a couple other books in the Bible. Um, We'll talk about Luke another day. He's giving him the words and he's writing this and he's giving it orally so that the people in Ephesus could know our task and the people in First Baptist Church Fairburn today could know that our task is to stand strong. To stand strong. I'm, I'm coaching Braden's little flag football team this summer. It's been a, it's been a, Wonderful train wreck of a disaster. Um, but, but I've enjoyed it. I'm having some fun with it. So, so we did this scrimmage that apparently I agreed to, but I didn't remember because I had it written down on a different day. Um, and, and I have, there's 12 kids on our team. Six of them have never played any team sport whatsoever. Um, a couple of them have the athletic ability of a stained glass window. And um, we're all together and we're just trying to figure a few things out. And I'm sitting there going, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna channel my inner Steve Spurrier here. I know all you Georgia fans, you're mad at me now. I'm gonna channel my inner Steve Spurrier and draw these awesome offensive plays that even a seven and eight year old could execute on the field. It's gonna be great. A simple handoff to the right and run. A simple handoff to the left and run. And we're gonna be great. So we get into this scrimmage against a team called the Broncos. What I didn't know about the Broncos was that eight of their 12 players had been on the same team for the last four years under the same coach. And there had been a little dynasty being built in the Coweta County Recreation Flag Football Division over here. And what I didn't know was that all of these kids were nine years old going on 24 and they looked like they could go ahead and start on the offensive line at any high school in the team. And so we're up there and my kids are like, what are we supposed to do? I'm like, hand the ball off and run. No sooner does the ball snapped, and I've got three behemoths of nine-year-olds all over the quarterback, and the quarterback's looking at me going, uh, I think too many of us are right there walking in faith. Man, this whole Jesus thing sounds awesome. Forgiveness being a child of God, every spiritual blessing. Oh man, that sounds awesome. Oh, we forgot there's a defense that's coming after us. And we forgot to set up blockers to protect our blind sides. And no sooner do we get that Jesus high and that right there, yep, got my Bible, went to church, than the defense is on us in the backfield and we feel like we can't move forward. We have to stand strong in the heat of battle. How do we do that? Look what it says. He gives us two things about standing strong. The first is perseverance. Perseverance requires our full attention. Notice he says there, verse 18, to that end, what end? Uh, putting on the entire armor of God because there is a spiritual war to that end of know that you be being strong in the Lord and the strength of his might and putting on the whole armor of God that we may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places because of that, to that end, because that's the battle we're in, he says this, Keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for the saints. Perseverance requires your full attention, requires your full attention. In 1902, there was the Spanish Filipino War that was was going on. There was an American soldier that was given guard duty in his fort, and he had the night watch. And as the guard who was on the night watch, his responsibility was to stay up all night and make sure that there were no enemies approaching at night. While the rest of the soldiers slept and, and took time to rest and recharge because the battle would wage again the next day. Warfare was different in 1902 now where it's, than it is now where it's a round the clock affair. You, you took breaks and reprieves at night unless you wanted to sneak up and have a little bit of a, 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 a guerrilla warfare tactic attack on your enemy. And that's what happened this night because this private sat there in his tower and he dozed off. He was to persevere through the night and keep watch so that when the attack came, he would be able to alert the soldiers, arouse them from their slumber, bring them to awakeness so they could defend themselves. But instead, he dozed off. And it was devastating. Because in dozing off, what ended up happening was the fort was taken and the battle continued. Lives were lost because he didn't persevere. Paul says here in this context that for us to stand strong in the heat of battle is going to require our full attention towards perseverance. But notice where the attention is directed. It says there, he says, to keep alert with all perseverance. How? Making supplication for the saints. That's a funny word, supplication, right? Sounds... Kind of old school, like something you'd, you'd expect to like hear in church like 100 years ago, making supplication. Well, just so you know, today I'm using the ESV, and, and so this translation is only like 10 years old now. So it's, it's not an old, old word, but it is an important word because it means to humbly ask or make request of one who is empowered. This is a word that is found first and foremost in the New Testament for how we approach God and how we go to him and then it has been adapted to other uses in society and around the world because of how it initially appeared to us in going to God the Father, asking and making a request of him. What is Paul saying here? You're not going to win this battle on your own. You're going to struggle. But the way you persevere is staying alert by humbly asking God on behalf of all Christians, everywhere Your full attention does not need to be on who's going to make the college football playoff this year. Your full attention does not need to be on what the rising cost of health care will be. Your full attention does not need to be on on what's going on with, with this celebrity or that celebrity or how to pay for this or how to get to there. It needs to be on how we seek the face of God because the times that we live in require our full attention as followers of Christ in the battle he says perseverance requires our full attention see right now satan's biggest tactic is not to outright defeat you because he can't the victor's already won but to distract you to distract me to put something that sounds good or seems good or might have a good end to it right in the pathway now, I can't tell you, I can't tell you the number of distractions. I, I've, I've got mild ADD. I think I'm getting it under control a little bit. Uh, I've got a little, my, my college classes probably really um, honing in on this because they can distract me with about anything when Sunday school. Um, but I've got a little mild ADD and, and, and it's easy for me to get distracted. I've got a get to know you type personality where, you know, you can ask me a question, but I want to know a little bit more about you as a person. So what's supposed to be like five minute quick question turns out to be like a 35 minute detour into how we're talking about space now. Um, And just as the conversation goes, because distractions are everywhere. I'm not saying that y'all are Satan's distraction in my life. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying that we're easily distracted. And in the church, we become distracted with programs and with with budgets, and we become distracted with with what this person said or what that person didn't do or what we have to have here or what's going on here without making attempt and effort to see the full purpose of what we're to do is to push back the darkness and to share with others the glorious light of Christ Jesus and reach them with the gospel distracted from the fact that we were placed here in the wealthiest nation the world has ever known to be a blessing to all nations by the cause of the gospel of Jesus Christ and sending missionaries to reach into societies that we'll never see, to reach into church planters inside of Atlanta that we will get to know, we'll get to meet, but we're not part of their church, but we're here loving them because that's the bigger picture. It's easy to get distracted with all the little minutiae of the day and forget that our perseverance requires our full attention as we stand strong in the heat of battle, and we do that with boldness. Notice what Paul says twice in this passage. He says, pray for me that the words may be given to me and open my mouth boldly to proclaim the gospel, the mystery of the gospel, for which I'm ambassador in chains, that I might declare it boldly as I ought to speak. You and I have to be bold. Paul is asking for this prayer for himself as a model for how you and I are to be in the world that needs the gospel of Jesus Christ with boldness. You remember a few years ago, it's probably about 20 years ago, steak lovers might remember this. You had A1 and then they came out with A1 bold. Remember that? It 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 had a black label on it. And they also had the thick and hearty, which wasn't as good, but the A1 bold. Had just a little extra kick of that A1 seasoning. Whatever their, whatever their secret recipe is, that bold just enhanced it. See, being bold doesn't mean being a jerk. It's easy to get too confused. You can be bold without being a complete and total jerk. You can be bold with grace. You can be bold with strength and power and the love of God in your voice. Being bold doesn't mean that you go and Bible beat somebody. Being bold means that you say, this is the gospel and I do not bend. I heard a song years ago by an old Christian ska band. If you don't know what ska music is, it was a fad in the late 90s. It was basically like rock and roll with horns and and don't hear like Chicago type stuff. It was a little bit more rocky than Chicago, but the song was called Unite. And in the song, the singer says, the problem's not Washington, the problem's not Hollywood, the problem's a weak, divided church of schismed Christians. His point was that we can point to all the things in the world, but it's the boldness within to say this is who we are in Christ and this is what matters and this is why we embrace uh, across cultural and across the street and across the aisle and across the nations. This is why we reach out the way we do because of what God did for us in Christ Jesus. It's not an issue of, should we do this or should we do that? It's an issue of, how do we let people know that Christ is king? Can I just go ahead and warn you? When we make that declaration, we're going to find the battle heat up a little bit. Satan doesn't want you to tell people about Christ. Satan doesn't want you to raise your children in the knowledge of godliness. Satan does not want you to reach your neighbor with a hand of love and affirmation of as an image bearer of God. He wants to distract you. He wants to dissuade you. The gospel calls us to be bold. But he goes on in these final greetings. In verse 21 he says, so that you may also know how I am and what I'm doing. Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister of the Lord, will tell you everything. See, Paul couldn't go back to Ephesus at this point. He's already said it. I'm I'm in chains. I've boldly proclaimed the gospel. Now I'm chained in a jail cell for it. But I'm not going to stop because I have victory. I'm sending Tychicus to you so you'll know where I am, what I'm doing, how I'm doing it because of victory. And what Paul is demonstrating is that our life is in Christ so we are to live every day in victory. Our life is in the victor. Our life is in the one who ascended on high and gave gifts to the captives. He is the one who has reached into your life, into my life and said, the chains of sin are no more. I'm giving you power over sin. I'm giving you power over death because I am calling you my child that's your life now when you came to faith in Christ that became your life and and so before we kind of hit these last three couple of things about victory just 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 hear my heart for a minute I know life's tough and many of you have seen a lot of things that I'll never see you've experienced and heard things that I'll never experience or hear but life's tough. Life has a way of clutching your heart and giving you this thought that there is no hope. That there's no end. That there is no possible way. Life has a way of reaching in and and. and, and Helping you boast with pride. I'm better than this. I don't deserve this. You might be better than that. And you might not deserve that. But life has a way of throwing you into it. Life has a way of coming into the heart of a Christian. And pulling you towards sin. See, Make make no mistake about it. I'm flesh and blood like you are. I know what it's like to struggle with sin. I, I know what it's like to struggle with self-worth. I know what it's like to to struggle with what the gospel called me to, but feeling defeated because of what has clutched my ankle, what has clutched my heart, what has crept in. I I know what it's like to live in fear. I know what it's like to, to lay in bed and not want to get up because what good is that day going to bring anyway? I know what it's like to sit in an office and have a mountain of stuff that has to be done, but no motivation to do it because the question is, can I even do it anyway? Life comes in and has this opportunity that is driven by our common enemy to, to drag us down, to hold us, to keep us from seeing what God has given us in Christ Jesus. But the light of Christ came in and it brought us from darkness to light, from death to life. This is why the gospel imagery of death and life and light and darkness is so huge because death comes in to provide darkness. Depression comes in to provide darkness. Sin comes in to provide darkness. But the glorious light of Christ shines in a way that we can live in victory because our life is in the victor. We don't have to. We don't have to. We don't have to. Live that way. We can live a new way. We can live a joyous way. And, and Paul gives us a couple of cool things here in this passage as he wraps up his letter to the church in Ephesus. Now, now this wasn't Paul's only dealing with the church in Ephesus. This was his only writing to them as far as the church. He, he later writes to Timothy, who becomes the pastor of the church of Ephesus. Actually, he writes two letters to Timothy, who's the pastor of the church of Ephesus. And so, so he continues this long relationship with them. But he says there in, in, in verse 21 that he sends Tychicus so that they'll know what's going on. But then he says, I've sent him, verse 22, to you for this very purpose, that you may know how, how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. Man, I, I, could, I could go old school revival preacher and ask you by show of hands and I see that hand and that hand. The reality is every one of us needs our heart encouraged. It, it doesn't matter if you just had the most amazing soul-inspiring time with the Lord in worship or in private worship as you're reading the Bible in prayer and you felt, you still need your heart encouraged. It, it doesn't matter if you're, I mean, if you're doing pretty good. I, mean, I didn't have that huge mountaintop experience with Jesus this morning, but you know, I'm feeling pretty good. You know, I'm, I'm serving God here. You still need your heart encouraged. Hey, it's been a rough week. You need your heart encouraged. It's been a rough month. You need your heart encouraged. It's been a rough decade. You need your heart encouraged. It's been a rough life. Paul says, I am writing so that Tychicus can come to you and do what? Encourage your heart. This is a sign of victory because encouragement helps you and me walk in victory. It helps us walk in victory because we are not alone. You're not a loner if you're in Christ. You have a family around you. You have a family that wants to see you grow and encourage you. This encouragement of the heart is a sign of the victory that God has given us in Christ Jesus. Because I have victory, I can help you walk in victory. Because you have victory, you can help your neighbor walk in victory. Because your neighbor has victory, they can come and help us walk in victory. You can help me. And we work together as we encourage one another's hearts. You're not going to walk in victory if all you're ever told is you're worthless, no good, and never going to amount to anything. You can mentally try to overcome, but I've heard too many preachers do this. You're a center, 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 you're a center. Can't believe you did that sin. You're a center, 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 Jesus, let's pray. Well, have you heard? Thirty five minutes of how terrible and bad I am. Oh, he threw Jesus' name on it, so it's okay. Well I'll never be like Jesus, so let's go. When the gospel says, yeah, you're a sinner and your sin is worse than you'll ever imagine, but so what's better than your sin is the love of God that overcomes your sin, overpowers your sin and places you on a sure footing with him. Why? Because he sought to bless you with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. So much so that he died for you that you could know his power, that you could know his glory, that you could know his love and that you could stand in victory. So encouragement helps you walk that way. Man, did you have a bad week this week? Yeah, it happens. Doesn't mean you're going to hell. Doesn't mean that God loves you less because you struggled with that sin or even that you committed that sin. It means you get an opportunity to walk back to the throne of grace, stretch out your hand to the hand that was pierced for you, and say, Christ Jesus, I need you, I need you. Do you have a rough year? Did your health get you down? Did your job get you down? You know what? You have an opportunity where you are, bad health, bad job, bad neighborhood, bad whatever, to point others to Christ. And you can, even if you didn't yesterday, you can today. You know why? Because the Bible says that every morning, his mercies are made new. Yesterday doesn't entangle you any longer. The gospels made you new. It is a new day. So walk in victory. Let me encourage your heart to walk in victory. He goes on. He says, but peace, verse 23, be to the brothers in love, with God, or love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. See, this peace is the assurance of victory. I love this. I love this. He can only promise peace if there is a reason to have peace. Do you know why it is such a struggle to live in a Middle Eastern culture, in a Middle Eastern country right now, in this day and age? Because there's no assurance of peace. There, there's no assurance that the next militiaman's not going to bust through the door, that the next country's not going to drop a bomb, that the next war is not going to break out. But most of you can go home, turn off the lights tonight, roll over, and get a good night's sleep because you have peace. Oh, yeah, there are some things out there in the economy and you know, there are some countries that don't really like us that much and there's always that threat that somebody might attack us one day and it really could happen. But we don't live day to day looking over our shoulder thinking that the attack's about to happen. Spiritually we do. Spiritually, we struggle with resting in the peace of God because we forgot that the victory is already there. But Paul promises peace and says, peace be to the brothers because of the love of God in Christ Jesus that was given to us, we can have the assurance of his victory that he did arise on high, that he did take the captives and that he did give gifts, the gifts that he sought to bless us with in the heavenly places. He did it because he is the victor. You only have peace if there is Victory. You only have peace if there's victory. <laughs> Unless you're a college football coach. Then you can win the national championship and enjoy about five minutes of peace before you start hitting the recruiting trail and start planning for the next year. Because that's temporary. That's temporary. It's temporary like balancing the checkbook. All right, good. The checkbook's balanced. We're good. But then you go and spend some else. You've got to rebalance it. This victory, this peace is everlasting. It goes on and on and on. You don't have to re-prepare for the victory. The victory is won. And it goes on. In grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ. Friend, let me tell you this morning that this grace does not need to be missed because this grace is God's provision for our victory you will not, hear me say it, you will not have victory apart from the grace of God. You won't. But in because of the grace of God and through the grace of God, he has provided for you to have the greatest stream, river, waterfall, ocean, whatever you want to call it, of victory the world has ever known. Why? Because he says... Oh, I love this. He says over in chapter one. Sorry, I flipped to Galatians. My bad. He says in chapter one that we have redemption, verse seven, through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace that he lavished upon us so that's what the grace of God is it's the lavishing of God's love for you on you according to his riches that will never run out according to his riches that will never be exhausted according to the kind intention of his will he has given us grace 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 that means that you will never run out of victory you will never run out of victory in christ jesus